It's good to have you all here this morning. Hi, Luke. <laughs> well, a little little rain cooled us down a little bit. It's funny to drive through the village and see people wearing jackets. Yeah, so that's nice. That's nice. Nice rain last night. Did you all have rain? Did you over there in northern country? Very little. Okay, I don't know how much we had. It wasn't too fierce, thank goodness. But it was it was raining, so that's good. I don't think we have any announcements to make. Uh, you will note that on the back that Pastor Sandy and Karen are having their anniversary, wedding anniversary on Monday tomorrow. So I don't know how many years that is. I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know how many years. He didn't say anything and she didn't say anything. So anyhow. And no birthdays. Well, okay. Uh, we have uh, Pastor Ryan with us this morning to bring the message. And uh, I think we'll get started. We have an opening hymn, ladies and gentlemen. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. It's number eight in your hymn. Joys and concerns. And I think Nancy has some joys. Let me get back there. Olson had, had his uh, testing done on Tuesday. They did a heart catheterization. All the numbers were great. So Thursday, they scheduled open heart surgery, and they removed the Berlin heart. Uh, it, it's a Berlin heart, but it really wasn't a heart. The support system he had for pumping blood through his body. And when they did the surgery, his heart looked perfectly normal. The, the doctors are just like... They were just stunned and amazed. There was not, they could see nothing wrong at all. And they thought he would be on a ventilator for two weeks. He came out into recovery, breathing on his own. And the next morning, his mom gave him four ounces of milk. And he's drinking now. He has some pain in his sugar. He has an incision down his chest. So they're giving him pain medicine. He's kind of a little bit sedated from that. But the mom said to the doctor, I can only say it was God. And the doctor said, that's right. It has to be God. She, they cannot explain how bad his heart was and how perfectly normal it is now. It had to be God. And the mother said she just praises God and she pray, she, her prayer is that she can be a testimony throughout his life of what, how God worked in him. And she said, I can't say why other little ones in there who don't survive. She can't answer that. But she praises God for the miraculous recovery that baby Colson made, and she gives God the whole glory for that. Wow. 
that's, that chokes me up. That's, that is fantastic. And yeah, how, how in the world, how in the, why do I say how in the world? You know, right, Claudia? Yeah, yeah. It's a miracle, and our God is great. Pastor Sandy says, how big is your God? Well, how big is he? He is fantastic. And why other children don't make it, we don't know. But a lot of people were praying for that little fellow. And, you know, he's not out of the woods yet, but... Yeah. She just said he, they hoped to have him discharged in two weeks. Wow. Fantastic. Christine. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. For Steph's uncle Conrad, who their prognosis was poor, um, they didn't think he would survive surgery. They removed three feet of his large intestine. Was on a ventilator. He had sepsis, but he's breathing on his own, and he probably maybe already is in rehab. He just had to learn to swallow again and eat, but made a remarkable recovery. And our nephew, Shirley, and my nephew, Mike Gerbrick, is improving. He still has some occasional pain when he walks, but doing much better. And then um, we prayed a few years ago for Bonnie Messick, had breast cancer, went through a lot of surgery, but they just found now she has bone cancer. So we can add her now to our prayer list. Uh, yes, I had. Uh, we had a prayer chain request on Friday. I got a call from my sister-in-law Goldie Hershey that uh, she was having some problem, and she went to the doctor and had a. The doctor wanted her to have a stress test done, and she did. And through the stress test, they found that the lower part of her heart is not getting enough oxygen. So therefore, the next step is to have a heart catheterization, which will be done. I we don't know when that schedule is yet, but. Yeah. That's coming up. And she said, I will not be here today. I'm kind of quarantining myself and staying put away from people because of having things to be done. Yeah. And um, uh, when I was making my prayer request, I called my, my sister-in-law, Mary Baker, and she asked to have her daughter-in-law, Faith Baker, that's married to Rick, their son, to have her put on the prayer chain. She's dealing with many health problems, and she has lupus which is a bad thing anyway, and it runs in her family very much. But uh, she was at the wedding when Adeline was married, July the 12th, and she broke her ankle. Well, they found out, and they said she broke it one place. Well, this kept giving her problems. It ends up she broke it four different places in her ankle. So she's been dealing with that. Now she found out she has to have um, back surgery. So now we have to wait till this healing is done with the ankle so we can have the back surgery. But what, when I say she has had many health problems, so she needs our prayers for sure in many ways that, you know, her body is just very, I don't know, lots of things going on. Yeah. And I don't have her on the prayer guide because I found that out after the prayer guide was done. And okay. That's why a couple of them aren't on, just like with Bonnie, because Nancy had told me that too about her, that, had a reoccurrence. And my sister-in-law, I've had her on Sherry Burrier. I just talked to Sherry last night, and her cancer, she had her sixth treatment of chemo, which is to be her last treatment. She just had it last week, but 
till they find out all the results. They have PET scan coming up and she has different things, blood work that has to be done. And then they'll go from there, what the prog, you know, what's going on with that. Yeah. With the cancer that may, I'm praying she does not have to have any more chemo yeah. or even radiation, but that time will tell what's happening. And yeah. the good, it's in the Lord's hands, that's for sure. But that is an update on her because her husband, which is my brother, he is dealing with prostate cancer. But he is doing very well. He's in his fourth stage of that, but they have him on a pill form of chemo, and he's doing great. Good. So you just never know. Never know. Never know. Yeah. How's your wrist? Good. Good. Who else? Go around the end here. I had said about my Aunt Barbara last week, and she passed away on Friday. Oh. So she's out of pain. Yeah. How's mom? Mom's hanging in. She, uh, I think she's getting anxious to get out of there. She got herself out of the chair one day. The other day, Joan got a call that she had gotten out of bed and was sitting on the floor. So she's still giving it all she's got. She's feisty. She's feisty. Yeah, good for her. She's not giving up. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah, because she always kept you in line. And <laughs> well, you're just getting to know her. <laughs> I go for my annual checkup Thursday. What on Friday I had my blood test done, and what I saw with the results is they're good. I'm going to have to see the doctor. Let him decide if it's good too. And my dad got the call yesterday from my my uncle Jay. Keep the the farmers out in Iowa safe because they had, my uncle said they had seven trees blown down from the storm they had on Monday. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. You know, they're all safe. Good. All the farmers are safe. Yeah, but, but still a lot of work to get back in order. Yeah. yeah. And, and Davey was telling me his, his blood tests showed that he was up over 30, 32 or something like that, and it's supposed to be 32 or higher. So uh, for that particular, 30 or higher. So that, that's a good, good thing for Davey. So he's, and it's better than the previous test. So it's going, it's going up, that's great. Who else would like to share? Amy? Next Sunday, we will not be here, and he's, looking, he's oh. looking at me like, wait, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> no, we have our, our niece is getting baptized next Sunday. Oh, good. And then that's in the morning, and then in the afternoon, we have a nephew getting baptized. So we're just thankful for their lives and their commitment to um, Christ and, and that, and pray for, uh, you know, prayer that uh, as they continue to grow closer to him, um, 
And the other thing is this week was cleaning a camp meeting and we went several evenings and it was just a great time of praising the Lord yeah. and just, it's, he's so good. And yeah. even when all of the yuckiness is going on around us, he's still on the throne and he's, he's got it. We just yep. have to trust him and yeah. Yep. So that's, that's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've never been to the community camp meeting, but, uh, my brother has, the one that's laid up right now. And uh, I think Ryan uh, was there playing piano. He didn't. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they have a, a great camp meeting there. It's a nice facility, too. Yeah, very nice. It's north of Anvil, in case you don't know where it's at. So, uh, anyone else? Do you have anything to Okay, all right. Well, let's come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are a great, great God. And if anybody doesn't understand that you hear and answer prayers, then they are completely lost because you are the one that we can attribute Colson's miraculous recovery to. Thank you, Lord, for that. There's been a lot of prayers, as you know. And whatever the future lies for that little guy, we know that your hand is in it. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for his parents, Lord. Great believers. Thank you, Lord, that they are so committed to you. Heavenly Father, you are awesome, and there's no way that we can stay it otherwise. We do have other praises and other joys, but we have concerns too. We have deaths in our families, and we have individuals who are combating that terrible disease, cancer. And Lord, we ask that you intercede in all those particular situations. Lord, bless those that are battling this health issues. Bless those that are struggling with the loss of family members. But we have joys, and our biggest joy is your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. Help us to keep our eyes upon him. Help us to keep Jesus Christ in our heart. Thank you. Thank you for all the evidence of believers. Thank you for all that the believers do. Lord God, you are amazing. And we thank you. And we worship you and acknowledge that your son is the only one that we can trust and can get our sins forgiven and visit with in heaven for eternity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. In his name, Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray these things. Amen. Worship you. We thank you for the air in our lungs, the beating of our hearts, for you have sustained us through the night. We have arisen to come 
to worship you and to be in your presence. And so we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word, our guiding light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see everyone. Each Sunday, I think that maybe this will be the one that Luke and Evelyn get through the whole service. <laughs> not to be today, not to be, no, no, yeah. Well, we've had a good week, um, good week of work and, and family and picked up a new hobby, woodworking, trying to teach myself woodworking with hand tools only, planes and chisels and egg beater drills and, you know, trying to do it the old-fashioned way. Patience sometimes isn't my strongest virtue, so working with hand tools is a little bit longer than a power tool, so I'm trying to teach myself some patience. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to show you what I'm doing yet, so don't ask. <laughs> right, yep, an arc, yep, life-size, yep, making it a replica, uh, well, let's, uh, if you want to uh, begin with me, let's open up to Psalm 3. And, um, you know, two weeks ago, we read through the book of Jonah. And um, you might remember that the title of the sermon was Salvation Belongs to the Lord. And so you may have noticed this morning that the title of the sermon today is the same. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And so um, I am preaching a different sermon today. I'm not saying the same thing as I did last week, but the theme is the same. And so two weeks ago, we read about how the Lord offered salvation to the Ninevites. And so in a sense, it was an offering of salvation to an entire people group. Um, the emphasis that I wanted to make was that Salvation is available to cities, states, nations, even the world. And in light of what's going on in our country right now, it's good to be reminded that no matter how far we may stray from God's word, salvation is available to us as a nation, um, provided that we heed the warnings. And so two weeks ago, we cast this wide lens to look at salvation. And so today we're going to narrow the focus, tighten it up a bit. And um, we're going to be looking at salvation from an individual perspective. And so that's um, displayed for us in the third psalm. And so poetry is a major form of literature in the Bible. In fact, poetry is the second most common form of literature in God's word. I didn't read much poetry when I was younger besides Shel Silverstein, right, where the sidewalk ends. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, that's about the extent of my experience with poetry. I wish that I had read more when I was younger. But nevertheless, the book of Psalms is largely poetic prayers uh, or poetic songs for worship. And the most common form of poetic prayer in the book of Psalms is called a protest psalm. Now, protest psalms are heartfelt petitions. They are a crying out to God for deliverance from some humanly unsolvable crisis. And they express deep suffering on the part of the psalmist and assume that there's no way that this situation can be solved apart from God's direct intervention 
for instance, Connor. His name's Connor, right? Colson. Colson. Yeah, Colson. And so oftentimes in these psalms, there, excuse me, in these um, protest psalms, there is a pattern. Um, and I said, after all, they are poems. And sometimes we can see a back and forth repetition of protest and confidence. There's a protest, a crying out to God for deliverance, and then a crying out to him for his help to solve some problem. And then after that, there's a reminder, a, a confidence of why the psalmist can trust in God. And so Psalm 3 follows this pattern. And we're going to walk through it this morning together. If you want to write down notes in your, um, in your Bible, I would encourage that. Mine is marked up. Sometimes I read it and I think, well, what was I thinking there when I, when I wrote that? So uh, I, I think it's good to mark up your Bible. So again, we're starting in Psalm 3, verse 1. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. And so in these two verses, David is expressing a protest. So if you want to write protest next to verses 1 and 2, you may. This is a, a crying out to God. And through the imagery that David uses here in these first two verses, you can begin to feel the perilous nature of the position that he is in. He says, O oh Lord, how many are my foes? Now, he doesn't number his foes, but rather he just says that they are many. And the word that David uses here in Hebrew means that there were too many to number. And so one way of looking at this verse is to understand that David was in the minority. Now, being in the minority can be a very lonely position. And it's certainly a test of nerve to be in the minority. And I'm sure that many of you have found yourself in the minority at some point in time. And worse yet for David, everyone around him was rising against him. It wasn't just the fact that he was in the minority, but that the majority was rising up against him. The word David uses here indicates that the many were standing firm against him. Now, it's one thing to be in the minority when the majority doesn't pay any attention to you, but this is a different situation. The majority was standing firm against David. They were rising against him, and that is surely a more difficult position to be in. They were also mocking him by saying that God cannot save him. There is no salvation in God for you. In other words, God will not save you. You are ours and we are going to crush you. Adversity. Life on this earth is not without its challenges. Adversity is something that all of us experience. We may be facing adversity right now. Adversity can make us feel scared, anxious, confused, maybe fearful. We want to be free from adversity, right? I mean, we all want to be free from it. But where, what, or who do we turn to? Some people run away. They just turn in the opposite direction and run as fast as they can away from adversity. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to elected officials. Some people turn to themselves, right? If you want something done, you must do it yourself. Or if you want something done right, you must do it yourself. Isn't that a popular phrase? 
But not David. No, David says something different. He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. And so in verses 1 through 2, David protests the Lord. He cries out and tells God exactly what's happening. Now in verses 3 and 4, he expresses his confidence in the Lord. So if you want to write confidence next to verses 3 and 4, you certainly can. Protection is found in the Lord. The image of a shield is vivid here in verse 3. Shields are great weapons of defense, but obviously shields can only cover one side of a person, right? But the shield that the Lord provides covers all sides, according to David. It's all-encompassing. In other words, the shield of the Lord can defend David from attacks that come from behind, from the side, that David himself cannot see or anticipate. The Lord is his glory. The Hebrew word kavad is what we translate as glory, and it can mean weighty, heavy. And so in this context, you might picture the Lord falling on David, the weight of the Lord surrounding David and protecting him on all sides. In verse 4, David says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me. And so notice the past tense verbs. Not, I am crying, but I cried, and he answered me. David is reminding himself here of how the Lord has provided for him in the past to embolden his faith now and in the future. He goes on in verses 5 through 6. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. And so in verses 1 and 2, again, David protests the Lord for his problems. In verses 3 and 4, David expresses confidence in the Lord. And now in verses 5 through 6, he explains why he has confidence in the Lord. He recalls his past and how God has sustained him. I laid down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Because of the Lord's history in protecting David and sustaining him through adversity in the past, David has confidence that the Lord will continue to do so in the future. He knows that he can lay down his head and sleep in peace, even when surrounded by his enemies, because it is the Lord who sustains him. The Lord is his shield and protection. And so if you want to write down next to verses 5 and 6, confidence slash reason. That's what I put in my Bible. The Lord is his shield and protection. He says, I will not be afraid of the many thousands who are against me. No matter the circumstances, no matter how dire the situation, I can and will trust in the Lord. I will put my faith in Him, and that faith is not a blind faith, but rather a faith that is rooted in my history. Each night I have laid down my head, and each morning the Lord has sustained me. For 40, 50, 90 years, my heart has been beating, my lungs have been taking in oxygen. The Lord is my sustainer, 
and salvation belongs to him. You, my foes who are many, you say that there is no salvation for me in God? God has sustained me each day of my life. David looks to his past and recalls the many ways that God has led him and cared for him. He is in dire straits for sure, but he knows that God has provided for him in the past, and he has no doubt that he will continue to do so in the future. Brimming with confidence, David continues, verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. And so again, verses 1 through 2, David protests the Lord for his problem. Verses 3 through 4, David expresses confidence in the Lord. In verses 5 through 6, he explains the reasons why he has confidence in the Lord. And here in verse 7, he goes back to protesting the Lord. So we see a pattern that's emerging. Protest, confidence, protest, confidence. It's a poetic prayer. Because of the Lord's history of protecting David and sustaining him through the night, David can trust the Lord to fight his battles for him. David is saying here, fight for me, go to battle for me. My enemies want to strike me down, so I'm asking you to go strike them down. Break their teeth, he says. What's going on here? It doesn't sound very brethren, does it? <laughs> Right. How are we to make sense of this and to square this with what Jesus says in the Gospels? Well, it seems obvious that there's a lot of emotion going on here on the part of David. A lot of emotion in these words. And, and verse 7 is what is called an imprecation. An imprecation is essentially a spoken curse. So, Wow. So are we saying that we should curse people if they should attack us? No, I think that's missing the point of what's going on here. I think two things are important for us to understand here. First, this language is hyperbole, um, emotional exaggerations. Um, a, a hyperbole that we are familiar with would be this. I was so mad, I, I was so mad at him, I could have killed him. I don't know if any wives in here have said that before. <laughs> That's a, it's a, an, an emotional exaggeration, not something to be taken literally. That's the first thing that we need to understand. Secondly, this is a prayer. David is praying to the Lord. So he is expressing these emotions to the Lord. And we're going to come back to this in a moment. But for now, let's move on to verse 8. Verse 8 is the high point of the prayer. Salvation belongs to the Lord your blessing be on your people. And this was the same message we saw in the book of Jonah. In verses 1 through 2, again, David protests the Lord for his problems. In verses 3 to 4, he expresses confidence in the Lord. In verses 5 to 6, he explains the reasons why he has confidence in the Lord. In verse 7, he protests the Lord again. And finally, in verse 8, David expresses confidence in the Lord by praising him. The words that he uses, La Adonai Hayeshua. Salvation belongs to God. Two weeks ago, we talked about salvation for the Ninevites, and that was salvation in this corporate sense. And here, the focus of salvation is on an individual, David. 
two perspectives of salvation, but the one who gives salvation is the same. The Lord God of heaven and earth. And salvation has come through His Son, Jesus Christ, and was secured for us on a cross. You know, the word salvation, what that refers to is God's actions to solve the problem that was brought about by humankind's sinful rebellion. It's God's response to our sinful rebellion. It's one of the major themes that runs throughout the entirety of God's word. In the Old Testament, most of the instances of salvation are from physical rather than from spiritual trouble. You think of Jacob praying for salvation from his brother Esau, or Joseph saving many people during the famine in Egypt. The Israelites experienced salvation from the Egyptians in the Exodus. The kings and nation of Israel experienced salvation from enemies and other foreign threats. And so the historical events of physical salvation in the Old Testament were meant to point to the ultimate need for salvation from spiritual trouble. That is salvation from sin. We see this unfold in the book of Isaiah. Ultimately, in the New Testament with the ministry of Jesus. Jesus himself says in John 3.17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so I said earlier, the title of this sermon is, Salvation Belongs to the Lord. And Jesus says, again in John chapter 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation was the same in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. It was by God alone that salvation comes. It is not through human effort that someone experiences salvation. And so there are several things that I think we can take away from this psalm, how we might apply it to our lives. The first one is this. Notice that David wrote down his prayer. The majority of psalms are prayers, and they're all written down. Writing our prayers is a helpful way to focus our thoughts. I don't know if we practice this. I'm not saying that you're doing anything wrong if you don't, but I have found it to be very helpful over these last few years to write down my thoughts, my prayers. It can be helpful because then we can go back to them and reflect on them. We can more easily track how God has answered prayer in our lives when they are written down. I'm sure many of you probably know this. You've probably been doing it for some time. And so when we read about how God has answered our prayers in our past, our confidence and trust in Him is strengthened. Number two, notice that David bears his emotions before the Lord. In other words, he tells the Lord exactly why he is scared or why he is frustrated. We can protest the Lord. That word right now kind of has a bad a bad sense to it, doesn't it? Um, how about we can heartfully express our true thoughts? Maybe that's better. Our doubts, our fears, our frustrations. Sandy often says, how big is your God? Truly, our Lord is great enough to hear these things. He's great enough to hear the things that are truly on our hearts. 
He can handle them because he already knows our thoughts, our doubts, our fears, our frustrations. Psalm 139 says, You discern my thoughts from afar. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. One of the things that we can get wrong is assuming that prayer is a place to be proper and pious. We may tend to think that when we pray, we must be good boys and good girls. We must say the right things and don't ever say the wrong thing. And for goodness sakes, don't you ever tell God that you are not happy. We need to say the right things in prayer or else God won't really listen to us. Has anybody ever felt that way before? Yeah, I have. Scripture specifically the Psalms, seems to say something very different. God wants us to share our emotions with him. He wants us to share our doubts, our fears, the ways that we may even feel abandoned by him. We read that in the Psalms. Number three, notice that David does not allow himself to stay in this pit of misery. David expresses his doubts, but then immediately counters it with why he should have confidence in the Lord. Now, this is something that we can do in our own lives by reflecting on the many ways that God has provided for us in the past. One of the troubling things in our contemporary world is the idea that faith is something that is completely devoid of reason. When I hear people say that, I just simply say, you just have not read enough, friend. Um, the Bible knows no such thing, no division between faith and reason in the Bible. How often in Scripture do we hear things like this? Remember how the Lord led you out of trouble. Remember how the Lord your God delivered you from the house of slavery. Remember how the Lord turned back your enemies. Remember how the Lord fought for you. Remember how the Lord Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified before your very eyes. You see, the Lord does not expect us to have faith in Him without reason. On the contrary, the Lord gives us all the reason in the world to trust Him. And that's what faith is. Faith is trust. David said that each night he lay down and the Lord sustained him through the night. How many nights has the Lord sustained you? Sustained you through the darkness of the night to see the light of a new morning. How many times in your life has he provided? The Lord gives us all the reasons in the world to trust him. That is to place our faith in him. Number four, notice that David does not hide his fierce anger toward those who oppose him. Break their teeth, he says, with anger and, and, and vitriol, hatred. I mean, I'm not sure how you could say that with, you know, you can't say that lovingly, can you? <laughs> I mean, that, that, is, that is just anger and, and hatred, really. And so does this mean that God actually broke the teeth of those who opposed David? Probably not. I think to think that way would be missing the point of why the Holy Spirit has recorded this for us in Scripture. The point of this psalm is to show us the proper place for each of us to express our true emotions. In this case, such anger and hatred. And that proper place is in prayer. 
how many of us have prayed, Lord, I hate this person. I hate them and I want you to kill them right now. Now maybe you're saying to yourself, well, I've never been that mad before. If so, good, great. But I'm sure that others know what I mean here. Perhaps we've been trained to think that such a prayer should never be uttered from our lips. But notice what David says in Psalm 140. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire. The point is not that God approves of our hatred and anger and thus wants us to live with it. Please don't hear me to be saying that your hate and your anger are right and justified. Rather, what God is saying here, what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us, is to bring that to me. Bring your hate and your anger to me. I will defend you. I will fight your battles. And by bringing this stuff to me, I will show you the true nature of your heart and begin to show you why you need me so desperately. You can't love your enemies like I want you to without my help. By bringing this stuff in your heart to me, I will begin to work on it. I will give you a new heart, as we were promised in Ezekiel chapter 36. And so in closing... Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is a theme that runs throughout Scripture. Just as salvation came to the Ninevites through God, salvation only comes to each of us through God. Salvation is found in Christ alone, by His sacrifice alone, and through Him alone can we approach the throne of God in prayer. And Psalm 3 teaches us that we can approach that throne with whatever is on our hearts. And the book of Hebrews says something very similar. I will read this for you. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now listen to this. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can approach the Lord through Jesus with our true emotions and feelings. After all, Jesus knows these same emotions. Scripture says he is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So maybe you have been unhappy with the direction of our country these past few months. Maybe you're unhappy with the decisions of our governor or other elected officials. Rather than allowing that unhappiness, maybe even anger or hatred, to overtake us, having no place to deal with it, allowing it to just sit in us, rot, and tear us apart, our Lord says, bring it to me. Bring it to me and trust me to fight your battles for you. And you can trust me because I have given you every reason why you can trust me. All you need to do is to look back at your past and you will see my hand guiding you then, now, and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Father, it is our light and it is, it is the true source of, of wisdom and knowledge. We thank you for giving it to us because it is our guide. It is our guide through this lifetime. Without it, we would be lost. 
Lord Jesus, we think of your sacrifice for us on a cross, what you did for us, the immense weight of that moment. We, we may never truly understand, but we thank you nonetheless. We thank you for what you've done for us. And Lord, I want to lift up our leaders of this nation, of this state, of the, the local communities. Lord, we ask for divine intervention. We ask for your wisdom to fall on them. Help them to make the correct decisions that are best for us, for this people in this nation. Lord, we confess if we have had any feelings of anger or hatred, Lord, and we've been hiding it and harboring it in our hearts, Lord, I ask that you would convict us of that. Give us an opportunity to bring it to you, to express it to you, that your Holy Spirit may work in our hearts to transform us into the image of your Son. And so as we go here from this day, Lord, I ask that you would bless us with your presence this week, that we would be a representation of you in our communities as we are talking to those who may not know you. I ask that you would give us the strength to represent you well and to bring glory to your name, not our own. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.